Hey, this is Brent Jensen, and you're listening to No Sleep Till Sudbury, the show where we talk about the music that makes your skin vibrate. And joining me today is David McPherson, writer and author of the new book, The Legendary Horseshoe Tavern, A Complete History. And this is a book that features one of my all-time favorite places to experience live music, currently celebrating its 70th anniversary. It's the Horseshoe Tavern on Queen Street in Toronto. David, welcome to the show. It's great to have you, man. Oh, great to be chatting with you. Thanks for having me, Brian. So, so David, this book is everywhere. It's uh, it's been doing really well. I, you know, I see it in media all the time. Congratulations on its reception. I think it's great. Oh, thanks. Yeah, it's been a, a real humbling experience. I mean, I never imagined when I set out to write this book that uh, it would be received as well as it has. I mean, I, I guess you know, I knew it was a niche publication, but uh, I guess what's been so gratifying has been to see the reception that. Everyone has a horseshoe story, if you will. And like you said, it's yeah. one of your favorite places to see live music. And that was part of my reason in writing it was to try and preserve that history. And, uh, you know, so future generations, you know, hoping that the horseshoe will still be around another 70 years from now. But if yeah. it isn't, at least that's been documented and uh, it won't be forgotten. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I, th- I think it's a, it's a read a lot of people will certainly appreciate for that reason, not just in Toronto, but beyond, because it's it's really great to see these storied institutions thriving when so many tend to be closing down. Like in Toronto, for example, the Silver Dollar, uh, you know, the Elma Combo is kind of on and off and that sort of thing. So um, this, is, this is a great testament to a, a, a great institution. For sure. Yeah. And it's all about, you know, live music, as you mentioned, that you know, this day and age with rising real estate and commercial property taxes and, you know, other factors, it's getting harder and harder for, uh, you know, live music venues to, you know, survive in uh, these economic times. And I think uh, it is a testament when these places can remain open. And the biggest uh, way they can continue to uh, be successful is by people going out and checking out live music, right? Because there's so many other things that are tapping into people's time these days. Exactly. Well, in the digital age, I mean, you know, yeah. live music tends to be... Uh tends to be overlooked but uh, it is important to get out to see those bands and especially at a place like the horseshoe definitely so um, in your opinion David what would be some of the more memorable shows over the 70 years you know that took place at the horseshoe yeah I mean that's a hard one I mean it's been asked many times and I guess <laughs> probably every every time maybe a little different I mean obviously there are the standout shows in terms of big shows and uh, you know, you've got the, you know, Stomp and Tom Connors back in the, you know, late 60s, 70s. I mean, he basically owned the place and, <laughs> you know, you could, he still holds a record for most nights played there in a row, 25. Wow. Uh, so, I mean, you could probably take any one of those dates. I'm sure they're pretty memorable for those that were there when, uh, you know, he was holding court. And, I mean, you move on, you've got the late, uh, you've got the police show that in 1978 were only about 12 people were at. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's one of those mythic shows that if, uh, you were one of the lucky ones. You could say, you know, six months later, you couldn't go anywhere without Roxanne blaring from the airwaves. But, Unbelievable. Uh, at, the, at that time, yeah, they, they weren't uh, so well known. And, uh, and of course, the last Pogo that, uh, you know, ended the, the Gary's reign there but in the same year, 78, was mm-hmm. <laughs> pretty uh, memorable for different reasons. I mean, uh, you know, the cops came in, shut it down, and it got a little uh, wild. But that, yeah. that was all documented, you know, in the great film by Colin Brunton. And, uh 
uh, you know, you move on from there. I mean, you got the Blue Rodeo gigs probably in the 80s, uh, mid to late 80s, you know, as they were uh, carving it, their career once they were back in Toronto from New York. And mm-hmm. you got the night the, the band reunited is another uh, pretty amazing night uh, yeah. that, you know, Kenny, Kenny Sprackman, the former owner for him, that, that beat the Rolling Stones in terms of, uh, you know, it, Robbie Robertson just showed up unexpectedly backstage and, you know, join the rest of his bandmates. So that that was pretty cool. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Then of course the, the Rolling Stones. Uh, you know, that was uh, definitely one of those epic gigs that you know almost didn't happen and really kind of came together in 24 hours. You know, before and uh, yeah, they uh, they put on a, a pretty incredible show from what I hear the, those that were there and then just all the other small bands, right? I mean. Uh, you know, for me, some of my favorites were just seeing, you know, rising bands like the old 97s or yep. uh, Serena, Serena Ryder before she, uh, you know, really broke out. Uh, mm-hmm. So it just, uh, like you said, the list can go on, but there, there's definitely a good handful for you. I, you know, one that comes to mind for me is uh, Joel Plaskett with uh, Gord Downey coming up on stage. Oh, yeah. And, that, and I'm sure, you know, there's more of those than... Uh, I can remember, but that's what I've loved about this, uh, writing the the book. Uh, everyone, like I said, has a shoe story. And yeah. uh, I've been told so many that I didn't even know about, uh, you know, once the book was done. So, you know, that's been great. And I love when people say, oh, did you, you know, I was at this show or I, you know, met my wife at this show or this was the most amazing night of music. Uh, you know, did you hear about this one? So, yeah, yeah. it's there's definitely... Uh, too many uh, memorable evenings to, to put all in one book, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you for writing the book. It's a, a fantastic testament, as I said, to a, a very storied institution. No, no, no problem. Well done. It was a real pleasure. Yeah, thanks. So we were talking off air, David, about uh, the list that you provided today. And uh, it is one of my favorites that I have received, I must say. You know, one of the reasons why that is is because it kicks off, we'll do your first song now, with John Prine, and it's called Hello in there. This is a terrific song. I think a little bit obscure. Not a lot of people know it. I actually learned this song on guitar when I first started playing, you know, when I was 20, and I'd never heard mm-hmm. I'd never heard the original song before. I just heard people okay. play it on acoustic, and I really loved it yeah. because I loved the words. We talked about off-air. I mean, that's it for me as a writer, uh Usually, first and foremost, uh, you know what I look for in a song is the words, and you mm-hmm. know that they have kind of some kind of meaning, and uh, you know whether they're poetic or, or whatnot. And among songwriter circles, uh, John Prine is kind of looked to as uh, one of those uh, not really a god, but someone that yeah people uh, admire for, for uh, you know the, some of the songs in his canon. And yeah, for me, that uh, you talk about songs that uh, kind of hit you and give you the chills because mm-hmm. of the the, what they paint with those words and the, the story that's told. I mean, yeah, hello in there. Mm-hmm. It's one of those songs. It, it basically just speaks to kind of this idea of, you know, growing old and, uh, you know, the loneliness that can come with that. And that usually does come with that. And I mean, every one of us in our daily lives, whether, you know, parents as we watch them age or you see, you know, a couple, you know, on the bus or whatever, you, you I think that's what Brian has captured in this song that uh, just with, you know the the great words i mean the title itself i mean that's what kind of gets me the hello in there it's like mm-hmm. basically hoping that someone will basically acknowledge that i still exist kind of thing and mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I think it's a real powerful song yeah he's a fantastic lyricist another song that stands out for him in my mind is sam stone 
for sure. Yep. About the Vietnam War vet coming back home and, uh, you know, not much left for him. And, uh, you know, it's the same idea. I mean, he, he takes some of these universal subjects. And I think that's, you know, what great songwriters do. I mean, it's not like the, the subject matter or theme haven't been mined before, but it's, it's mm-hmm. the approach that they take and the story they tell and, uh, you know, choice of words and metaphors. And to me, that's what makes a great song. Yeah. Um, speaking of great songs, your next tune is the Katie Lang version of Hallelujah. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of people that would probably have this one on their list. But for me, you know, the song Hallelujah to begin with, there's just something about it. I mean, whether you listen to it, uh, the original version by Cohen, you know, the Jeff Buckley version is another one that uh, yeah. is pretty fantastic, too. I mean, that one, I find it's more it's the instrumentation and the that's a little different in that one that kind of gets me, but mm-hmm. uh, for sure it's the Katie Lang and just the combination of her voice and, you know, she even slows it down a little bit more. And, you know, when I've seen her perform it live, I mean, it just, it is one of those, another one of those songs that kind of gives you the tingles, if you will, that, you know, especially when she just holds those notes and, uh, you know, it's just uh, the beauty of it that in that song that kind of uh, speaks to me. Yeah, it is incredibly powerful. Is Katie still out there? I've, I haven't heard uh, anything about her lately. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if she's putting out anything new. The last I saw her, I, I went to the uh, Songwriters Hall of Fame induction at Massey Hall last fall uh-huh. uh, when uh, Neil Young and uh, uh, who was the other, oh, Bruce Colbert, and the two of them were the big uh, big names being inducted. And, uh, yeah, Katie Lang came out, and uh, she performed, uh, I believe it was Helpless, uh, in honor of Neil. So. Oh, wow. You know, and the voice, yeah, still sounded, you know, so that was one of the few times I've seen her actually perform live. You know, I'd seen her on TV performing Hallelujah and that at different events. The Olympics, events I believe, that. Right? But yeah. The Olympics, I think that's what it was, yeah. But to hear her live, it just was that much better. I mean, I think she can probably sing any song and, you know, make, uh, it'd be hard not to get emotional, right? The, just There's something about her voice I mean, that does it for me. Yeah. And speaking of Neil Young, your next tune, David, is by Neil Young, yeah. and it is Cortez the Killer. Yeah, no, a good segue. I mean, I, I think uh, when you asked me for five songs, I, I thought it'd be hard not to include a Neil song. I mean, he is uh, one of my idols. I mean, I've probably seen him about 18 times or, wow. show, or so. Always loved his words and his music and his passion. You know, he's always kind of uh, gone, uh, you know, beat to his own drummer, if you will. And uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think... Uh, Again, it's a hard when you get someone like that who's been around, you know, kind of 50 plus years and, uh, you know, I don't know how many hundreds of songs he's written. But uh, I think for me, Cortez the Killer, again, it, it is both that one, it's words and melody. I mean, and I just, uh, I love the way it starts out, you know, and the guitar in it and the way it, it kind of meanders. Uh, it kind of feels as if, you know, it's telling the story of the of Cortez coming across, uh, you know, the ocean over to Mexico and... Uh, for me, it's the words again, and certain words. Neil, in many ways, is can be very simple in his words, but again, like you know, this is John Prine, it doesn't have to be flowery language, or doesn't have to be you know, these metaphors that are really complex. I mean, and in this song, I mean, the one line that always stands out for me is, uh, you know, they built up with their bare hands what we still can't do today. Yeah, and uh, you know, that's just a simple two lines. You know, that gets me. I just think, wow, that really, uh, that, that's a great line because I, I can think whether it's uh, the Incas, the Aztecs, wh- whoever it is in these cultures, thousands of years, you know, before us that, you know, they didn't have all the modern machinery and technology and everything we have. And, you know, look what they did, right? Like, look at the Great Wall or things. I mean, sure, there was probably a lot of manual, hard slave labor and stuff, but it still 
fascinating when you see, uh, you know, the engineering and everything behind it and how, uh, you know, we think we're so advanced today, but, uh, you know, they were able to do this. And, you know, for me, that's, uh, that's what Neil's great at. I mean, he can write just a straight up rock and roll song that, you know, maybe doesn't have a lot of, you know, meaning it's, or the meaning is pretty straightforward, but he does have some subtleties in you know, his songs as well. And, uh, you know, to me, Cortez is one of those great ones. I mean, I always love stories that kind of delve into parts of history as well, because, you know, as you mentioned off the top with my book, I mean, that's another passion of mine. I've always loved history. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, I, I think that's great when songwriters can kind of tell, you know, a story from history in, uh, in their songs. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And and so many Canadians do that so well. You know, I'm thinking about mm-hmm. Gordon Lightfoot, you know, Stomp and oh, Tom, yeah. of course. For sure. Yeah. Neil, a fantastic lyricist, but also a very skilled guitar player, an underrated guitar player, I find. You know, not so much for, you know, his lead play, but just his, you know, on the acoustic, he would, you know, he'd make up his own chords, almost like, not quite like Dave Matthews, but the same thing. You know, you never knew what change he was going to in the songs, and it was always very entertaining for me in that way. For sure, yeah. And I mean, beyond the acoustic, and you know, I just saw him at Farm Aid down in Pittsburgh in September, and, you know, still even on... You know, his Gibson, Old Black, I mean, sometimes he, he feel he goes overboard, but that's him, right? I mean, that he can he can take a three, four-minute song, and like Cortez the Killer is the perfect example. I mean, I've heard <laughs> that one in concert where it, you know, goes on 12, 13 minutes, because he yeah. just, he, you know, if he, he's with Crazy Horse or, you know, his current band uh, that he usually plays with, Lucas Nelson, uh, Willie Nelson's son, and Promise of the Real, and, you know, they just kind of uh, get into a groove, and it's like they're uh, just jamming in a garage somewhere, and that's what I love, right? I yeah, mean, that's what is great about Neil. That even at you know into his seventies, he's still doing that, and still has that passion burning. Yeah, and that's what it is—the passion. You know, they they just get lost in the song, and it's like they almost forget that they're playing for an audience because they're so involved in it. You know, for it, sure. it, it kind of yeah. reminds me of the Black Crows a little bit in the, in that sense that, you know, they would do that often. They would just get this really good groove going and just jam mm-hmm. for, you know, 16 or 17 minutes. And it was like the audience wasn't even there for them, you know. Yeah, yeah. that's true. But at the same time, I mean, that's what great live music does. And uh, while well, you can't replicate the experience, you know, just listening to someone on a CD, I mean, because that's what makes it right. You hope that that artist and you are going to make a connection and you'll get carried away with them as they go kind of on that sonic journey. Yeah, I completely agree with that. It's about the blood of it and that the connection, that authenticity. Those are the, the truly great musicians and the truly great experiences live, for sure. So tell me a little bit about this next song, David. It's by Jimmy Buffett. It's a deep track. I'm not so familiar with yeah. it. It's uh, it's called He Went to Paris. Yeah, I think, well, again, uh, yeah, for me, I'm uh, someone who loves a, a storyteller. You know, the, the funny thing is, uh, for those in the know, I mean, yeah, there, there's few storytellers as good as Jimmy Buffett. But the reality is, <laughs> mainstream radio, you know, most people only know him for his big hit, Margaritaville, right? Uh, and he's got so many great songs. I mean, if you get into him and people who know him, and that's, you know, again, he's someone I was introduced to by my dad. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I've gone and seen him in concert, I think, six or seven times. And, oh, wow. He went to Paris is just one of those again. It's a it's a great storied song about just like it says, you know, about a guy who kind of went off to Paris and uh, you know what he discovered there, and it kind of it, it traces the journey, right, of uh, kind of throughout someone's life and how this all these different experiences affected him. It's a great character song, if you will, and I, I've always been driven to you know character 
narratives and songs. You must be a huge Johnny Cash fan then. Oh, definitely, yeah. yeah, yeah. I love Johnny Cash too. I mean, he's. Uh, I'm sure I could have added one of his songs to the list. It's always a challenge with picking five, right? Oh, I, I know. But, <laughs> you know, it's like your desert island discs or whatever these lists are. You know, my son always asks me, "Okay, hey, what's what's your top movies or you know what's your best comedies and all this?" Yeah, <laughs> it puts me on the spot. Yeah. but yeah, definitely. I think you know, for me, since uh, you know Jimmy Buffett, as I said, he's a great storyteller. I mean, you know, another. Uh, not so well-known fact by people who aren't familiar with his music, you know, beyond Margaritaville. And, you know, he's an incredibly astute businessman. And he, uh, I mean, he's one of the few people he's had uh, books on the New York Times list for both fiction and nonfiction. You know, that's, uh, I think, right there says a lot that uh, he knows how to tell a good story. Oh, I didn't know that. That's that's pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah you know, I, I feel bad for him in a sense because, well, I mean, I, I shouldn't. He's, he's, I'm sure he lives a pretty great life. But oh, yeah. he... Uh, he <laughs> You know the the rest of his the the canon of his work gets overlooked in in favor of um, Margaritaville quite often. I was in I was in Nashville about six years ago, and you know we we're in some shop, and and there was I think he, I think the shop was his. I think it was called Margaritaville, and it was just all of these blenders that you could buy. Oh, yeah. That you know. Well, that's it. I mean, that's why I talked about the business side. I mean, at least he, he's been smart, and I'm sure, like he said, I mean, he would say that I'm sure Margaritaville's not his favorite song, but mm. it certainly is the one that's provided him, you know, that life that <laughs> yeah. has led to so many other things. Yeah. Uh, and but he's he's branded it, and uh, that's where the business sense comes in. That yeah, he's got blenders he's got t-shirts like clothing lines apparel he's got flip-flops uh, i think he has a margaritaville rum flip-flops yeah you name it i mean he's even opened up margaritaville hotels now so you know it's become quite a, a franchise so wow. and it's a real you know he it's all about a state of mind right that's what yeah. he kind of talks about the margaritaville state of mind right it's like kick back relax and you know kind of escape uh, from your nine to five for a while yeah so this next tune, your last one here, David, I, I, it put a smile on my face when I saw it. Um, I actually want to thank you for bringing it in because through 45 yeah. episodes, I have not seen another list that contained a song by Joni Mitchell. I'm a huge fan of hers. You brought in the Circle Game. Yeah, again, for sure. I mean, I had to have some more Canadian content, right? <laughs> CanCon. Uh, uh, yeah, that, it wasn't done on purpose. I, I just, I mean, uh, you know, another, Joni Mitchell's another one of those ones, you know, I've been fortunate. You know, my dad, you know, a lot of his old records, I discovered some of these artists like Jimmy Buffett and Neil Young. I mean, he had Harvest at home, and that's kind of my first introduction in a way. And, mm-hmm. you know, Joni Mitchell was the same. And uh, I remember hearing that song probably when I was quite young, mm-hmm. uh, you know, probably on one of our car trips to Colorado every summer and uh, we listened to John Denver and Joni Mitchell and on the old tape deck you know that mm-hmm. was plugged into the car and yep. uh, yeah then later on I mean I kind of rediscovered uh, you know that song when you know my kids were born I don't know what it was I, I've always loved that song it's you know kind of because it speaks to you know the whole circle of life and again she she writes it in such a way you, you kind of we all kind of get a little nostalgic at times right as we mm-hmm. age and we think of the different life stages and uh you know so i would sing that song to my my kids when they were like babies kind of thing and uh, so i think that's part of what the emotional uh, tug of that one is for me as well right because now that i see them you know 11 and 13 and you know i can hear that song and it kind of takes me back to uh, you know wow look how fast they've grown and it's like the song is speaking, you know, about that, right? Yeah. 16 springs, 16 summers gone now, you know, 
cartwheels turned to car wheels, you know, through the town, right? Like, yeah, yeah. So it's just again great imagery, and uh, could have picked the uh, same like as Neil or uh, any of these other artists. They probably have lots of other songs that would work, but you know, Joni Mitchell, another incredible songwriter, you know, great at telling stories, right? Uh, yes. And but that that that's one that yeah, like I said, for me, just. Uh, no matter when I hear it, it, it is one that almost, you know, you can kind of bring a tear to your eye if you, depending on your state of mind, right? I mean, you can be, you know, you've lost someone or, mm-hmm. you know, some certain stage in your life, your kid's going off to university, right? And yeah. I think you, you hear that song and it, it really resonates. And yeah. again, that's to me what a great song is, is, uh, you know, one that uh, you can relate to. I mean, you know, that's what a good songwriter, they're able to do that to uh, make it, again, a universal theme uh, but kind of tell it in a new way that really affects people well you know i've always said that we love the art that we do because we see ourselves inside it you know we look at a painting and if we see ourselves inside it it's it's preferred and a a song is no different if we we can identify and relate to it and you know we almost make it about us you know that's why we love Mm -hmm. the songs that we do and you know this one for me this one uh the circle game um, based on what you're saying, almost reminds me of Seasons in the Sun by Terry Jacks, another uh, Canadian performer, if you remember him. For sure. Yeah, the same yeah, sentiment, and, a little bit sad, Yeah, wistful. And I mean, the, the, the Harry Chapin song, I mean, I always go yeah. back to it. another great one. Cats uh, in the Cradle. Cats in the Cradle, right? Because uh, that's a similar idea, right? Uh, you know, that circle of the, the, the dad who's too busy, doesn't have time for the son and whatever, and then yeah. probably finally he does, and the son kind of is in the same... Uh, yeah. you know stayed in his life and uh, and then they finally connect at the end you know and yeah it's almost too late but it isn't and uh, but yeah those are great songs because i mean they're all stuff we we as humans all go through and experience yeah you know some some tremendous lyricism and some tremendous songwriting back then you know around that period right just with the, the true essence of a singer songwriter really yeah, well, like another one I love is Jackson Brown. I've seen him a number of times. And, you know, he, he's another great one that yeah. I, I see come, you know, from that vein a little bit. So yeah, and what I love, you know, you ask for these songs. You talk about the ones that kind of give you chills. You know, mm-hmm. and it made me think too of I interviewed uh, a few times Chip Taylor who wrote Wild Thing, and uh, oh, that really? was kind of the, the yeah that was the quote that he basically said to me, and I guess he uses a lot. But you know, how does he know when he's got a good song? It gives him chills, like literally. He said wow. he gets kind of the chills when he, he writes something or a melody comes and it, he knows that's going to be a good song. I thought that that's pretty cool because uh, if a songwriter himself is saying that's kind of the bar that he's going for, I mean, you think if he's getting the chills, then most likely uh, it's going to be something that uh, listeners will get as well. Yeah, no kidding. We're talking about Wild Thing, like the Wild Thing. Yeah, yeah, that's surprising. That's yeah, that's that's another one where like I think songwriters like you know these the Grammys that just happened. I think that's a good example, right? That's why I love how we're, we're talking about songs because you know the examples I gave. I mean, other than you know the Katie Lang where it was I mentioned a different version of it was originally written by Leonard Cohen, but mm-hmm. there's so many songs like people don't even know who the songwriter was, right? They I- only know the band who performed it. There's some people that you know, luckily they are able to make a living as you know, successful songwriters, you know, writing songs for others. They're they're not the ones performing them. But yeah, absolutely. I, I think you know, in this case, the Wild Thing was done by the band called the Trogs. I think, right? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. so you know, but Jimi Hendrix did it. I mean, you name it. You know, mm-hmm. Chip Taylor from uh, you know songwriter. He's just put out, I think, a new record next month or something. He's got another one. I think you know, he lives in New York. 
he's written for a number, a lot of other artists over the years, but yeah, yeah, one of those guys that probably most people don't, you'd say the name, they wouldn't know who he is. No, no, definitely not. Yeah. And would never have thought, you know, that he wrote wild things. Yeah. You know, very simple song, but just incredible for its reach and its, its scope. Right. Mm -hmm, For sure. Been covered a million times too. Certainly endures. So, David, that is your list. Thank you very much for your time today. I really appreciate it. I thought we had a great chat. Yeah, well, thank you. No, it was uh, really enjoyable. You know, if you've got five more, then definitely come back to the show and we'll uh, we'll bang them out for sure. Okay, sounds good. All right. So the new book is called The Legendary Horseshoe Tavern, A Complete History, and it's available, I'm sure, at Chapters Online, pretty much everywhere you buy books, correct? Yep. Uh, your favorite bookseller, uh, Indigo Chapters, Amazon, indie booksellers, uh, Awesome. Congratulations and best of luck going forward, sir. Great. Thanks so much. All right. Thank you. This has been No Sleep Till Sudbury with Brent Jensen and my special guest, Mr. David McPherson. Till next time, folks, take good care. Brent Jensen is the best-selling author of No Sleep Till Sudbury, Leftover People, and All My Favorite People Are Broken. All titles available in stores and on Amazon Worldwide. 